0: Anything like maybe not to bring up or not to ask or anything?
1: Nope, I'm an open book,
0: Aaron. It is all good. Awesome. Yeah, we're all good to go. What number is this? 66. So I'll start it off. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome to episode 66 of The Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Conway. And I'm your other host, Hamish. This is our actually our New Year special. So Happy New Year, everyone. 66. I like, I like the number 66. But anyway. For this episode, we are joined by Luke Burr. Luke, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hello, everyone. I don't like the number 66, personally.
0: It's the devil's <laughs> number, ain't it?
1: Or is that 666?
0: That's I don't like six. That's I don't like sixes. or well, 66, I'm like... I'm against six. Or is it England won the World Cup in 1966?
1: Oh, well, yeah, that's just true.
0: My parents were born in 66. My dad was born in 66, actually. And uh, Eric Cantona was born as well, so... Uh, ah, <laughs> That was that was a good year for uh, English football. Isn't Trent Alexander Arnold? I think he's number sixty six. Or he's got oh, that, that, That's in the down column for me then.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, he might be 66, He's a weird number. Yeah, no, but no, I don't yeah, know. A right. Six. I'm gonna get six. Is a weird for me. But anyway, I'm Luke. My name's Luke Burr. I'm a um, singer songwriter from Hornchurch in Essex. I went to Campion. Big up Campion. Still got a place in my heart. And yeah, it's an absolute pleasure for me to be here today. Thank you for thank you for giving me the call up.
2: Yeah, do you think you're in London?
1: Oh, well, actually, with these current COVID rules, we technically are London, right? We're yes, the London probably. borough of Havering. So your Essex
2: Donnies are on some crud, like
1: we we are. The, well, where are you, Hamish? Then what are um, you?
2: Northwest London. Oh uh, yeah, well we're East London, um, mate. Like we're, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no.
1: <laughs> we are the London borough of Havering. We are. I mean,
2: Stratford is East London. After that, everything is outside. What's so you saying? What about Ilford? That's outside of London. Wow. Yeah.
0: Hang on. I'm going on Google now. and looking Exactly. Up, if you Google London, we're inside the highlighted <laughs> area. Uh,
1: hang on. Is Ilford in London? Ilford, London, town, England. I don't know why I'm, I'm so... Uh, for. Yeah. East London. London Borough of Redbridge. And we're the London Borough of Havering.
2: You know how far yeah. Redbridge is out there? No, 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 no. Anything outside zone 4, yeah, is, it's a lost course.
1: Hamish, <laughs> oh, hey, is this the rules of you? Because I don't think... Those are the rules of both
2: Londoners. <laughs> to be fair,
0: Luke, every time I have someone from Essex, they say we're in London. But every time I have someone outside of Essex on,
2: they're like, no, nah, I swear, someone recently came on and said, you're not in London. Someone came on and said, Raynham isn't in London. I don't know. It was a recent episode as well, so...
1: Yeah, no, Raynham's Rain- Essex. I think any further out. Ah, dickhead. I think any further than Haunter. I mean, I would probably always say Essex, but... We are. We are technically, as of these COVID rules, we we are. We come under the London Borough. Essex is a different thing.
0: But yeah, Campion. You're actually only the second guest we've had from Campion. Were you the year below me or the yes? Younger? How,
1: did you, how did you find Campion? Personally, I loved it. I mean, I mean, obviously, most everyone finds it different, and then um, like any school, I guess. But I really enjoyed. I think. I could understand if you for example, if you hated rugby or if you hated sport, mm-hmm. you'd struggle in a lot of ways. You know, the fact that they force you to make to play, you know, that sort of if you hated it, I would have understood if if you'd have struggled. But I I really enjoyed the sport and I was not very good at rugby. I loved my football, but I just feel like the main thing about Campion for me was that they taught the value of friendship from early on and it was very you know, I've got friends that went to other schools that aren't as close to their friendship groups, whereas I feel like the level of loyalty that they taught at Campion, I don't know. It just always felt like, uh, for me anyway, it was a bit
0: of a brotherhood. But how did you find it? I loved it. Like, yeah, I'd still got like some of my best mates are still from Campion. Yeah. The rugby bit, I I hated the rugby bit. <laughs> yeah, um, I could imagine. Oh, <laughs> I, I was I was that small kid who's like Saturday mornings, oh, yeah, Campion yeah. Day, nah, nah. Yeah. And I loved my football as well. We didn't really get to play football until no. later on, did we? The all boys stuff, I really didn't mind at all no. at the time. Like, no. it wasn't like I was going to talk to girls anyway.
1: I I think I benefited from the all boys on a, on an uh, educational point of view. Like, yeah, in sure. a way that you're not scared to put your hand up. Whereas if there was a girl in the class, I think, I don't know, there would have been a lot less, you know, you try and act a bit cooler around girls. That's just human nature, really. So I I, enjoy, I actually enjoyed it. I, per, I really, and I've got, yeah, as I say, the friendships was just, really good
0: yeah I was actually telling Hamish and another one of my friends our friends Yash the other day how I don't know how he got into this conversation but I used to tell him how he used to write AD at yeah, the yeah I laptop, still do it now page. I was <laughs> saying the same yeah every now and then I would just write AD for some reason um, or
1: I still do it I still, it's like an OCD thing for me and I like in my notebooks I just do it in the top corner and I'm like fuck's sake
0: really <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Any, any like good memories like stand out Oh, tons, like um, all surrounding just friendship and stupid, stupid banter that just like makes no sense. And like that you'd probably tell the story and it's like that's not funny. But at the time it was like me and my three best, me and my two best mates at the time, um, who are still my best mates now. I don't know how, but I think in like year eight or nine, we were coined the Brannings. Obviously the. Where is that from? Th- from East East-Enders? EastEnders, the family from okay. EastEnders. So, uh, and it's still the name of our group chat now. <laughs> and um, is that a good thing? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, we we took it on and we owned it. We owned the uh, the phrase. Yeah, it was just. Oh, I mean, there's there's too many to think of. It was like, I mean, it was very boisterous and stupid. Like when you look back, you're like, why were we just having random malls in like <laughs> in at the end of class <laughs> for no reason at all?
2: More, what do you mean by malls? Like shops, like more.
1: No, like, no, like Mules is in like, oh, like, like a brawl, no. like a brawl but oh, okay. not like a fight that where anyone really cared, but it would like just, it would just break out into some, like, everyone would just start fighting each other <laughs> and it was just so stupid. And there was a lot of that. I mean, one time it actually, it was, it was a joke, but it got a bit out of hand and we were running and it was um, in the playground and the, I mean, no playground was so hard. And I smashed my head and I went straight down. Someone tripped me and I bounced back up because I didn't want to show that I was hurt. Yeah. and Like, you know, that embarrassed feeling of when you've fallen over. And then about 15 minutes later, I was in form class and I looked at my best mate. I was like, oh, Alf, how long till lunch? And he was like, what are you talking about? We've just had lunch. And i had literally completely lost the plot. I had concussion and that. And my head was just gone. It was the scariest thing. and then. About 10 minutes went past and he was like, oh, I think you need to call someone. So we went, I went to the hospital and I couldn't remember the whole day for about a month. It was really weird. Oh, shit. And then what? Like after that month, you just like... It's... It PC slowly started to come back, but there's still parts of that day that I can't remember. But I mean, it was ages ago now, but yeah, I couldn't yeah. remember it. So yeah, it was, it was boisterous. It was tough. It was... It was all boys. You had to... I think you had to be very thick-skinned. Yeah. Yeah. Like you had to you know, I don't, I don't really, you know, some people say banter or whatever. It was, it was quite severe and like, it was fine for me, but you, yeah, you had to be thick skinned. And, and if you weren't, I think you could have struggled there, which doesn't make it right. But I think, you know, it was, it was quite harsh at times.
2: When you were saying the brawl stuff in the class, like ours wasn't even out of friendliness. Our form was just fucked. Or like, at least our year was kind of just fucked. So I, just, I have memories of just like entire year 10 and 11 before they removed us from the science class for our form class yeah. the stools just start flying around here yeah. and if you couldn't <laughs> if you couldn't hold your own yeah, you're taking some serious hits no one was safe in that class no I, just <laughs> I was just like fuck sake and then I also remember yeah like there, there were certain pricks here yeah, that would go around you know when they try to just pull other people's trousers down yeah yeah <laughs> those people yeah luckily I because I was so skinny I always had to have a belt on because I couldn't find trousers that had my length and my waist <laughs> so I'd always have a belt on anyways but luckily it never happened when they did try on me, obviously no it worked. Um, <laughs> and usually I'd be able to combat it anyways. But I just remember so many people constantly going around. So I remember people crying because like they ended up pulling the boxes down and everything. I was like, oh, dude. no. Yeah, is, though, when you cry, that
0: sticks with you. Like I remember yeah. one kid crying and then that that him crying stuck with him, like he got a nickname over it.
2: Yeah, I mean I mean that that one person that I'm referring to was crying here was because every like all those kids that pulled his child's down basically kept calling him like small dick afterwards. You know? Oh no. <laughs> and it was a, it was like a major L back back then.
1: School is brutal, man. Like yeah. brutal. And you look back and you're like, Yeah. <laughs>
2: I hate yeah, I hate school. I I, I love really? it though. Like so some people
1: you get to that point in your life and it's a bit I mean, you're you're a lot more comfortable in your skin, I guess, by the time you get to uni. Whereas yeah. at, at school, you're working so much shit out. You're like, <laughs> yeah. and you're working out amongst other people who are working it out too, and willing to
0: get all your insecurities <laughs> and try and punish them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What, uh, Luke? What form were you in? I was in Sutherland. Sutherland, okay. I was Garnet. What are these named after? Sorry, they're martyrs, aren't they? Yeah, What's I think. A martyr? <laughs> so a martyr is someone who like dies for their faith. Religion, yes, but yeah, for campioners, you know, a Catholic school, so they're all like I think they might have all been saints as well. Yeah, my brother was garnet. Okay, so normally they put like brothers in the same,
2: yeah, I know they normally form. do, but I don't know why they didn't with him. Wait, so is this like a sorting hat? Like, what is this like? Because <laughs> you're in the you're, your siblings, and then you ended up that's like some Harry Potter thing where you, the, where you always end up <laughs> yeah. in
1: the same, <laughs> it, is a, it is a bit like that. It is they use, yeah, but yeah, I don't, I don't know why he wasn't
0: going on a bit. So, you did mention at the beginning how you're a singer songwriter. I'm guessing that started at school
1: yes, but it was completely separate to my school and it wasn't a school that would celebrate that though that's the one thing about the school like it wasn't a school that would sort of celebrate um art or
2: music yeah, I didn't find really.
1: you know like I was doing my own thing and I was you know I was achieving a certain amount and it wasn't you wouldn't you were would never. I mean, in, in some ways, it was good because it's quite grounding. But they would never celebrate that. I think they wanted to keep everyone feeling like they were on a level playing field, which I respect. But also, in a term of actually singing, I think if it was probably rugby, or if I was playing for like Wasps or someone like that, they would have made a big thing of it. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? But where it was singing, they no one. The school
0: wouldn't get behind it, and that was cool. Like I didn't need the school to, to do that. I was doing the school to you know do my work or whatever. So what about like other kids who essentially now like camping was ruthless and singing at that age is stereotypically not really seen as like a cool... Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you get any like
1: problems from anyone? You know what? I never, I never did, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know why, I think a lot of that comes down to you being confident in yourself. I feel like if you, if you do something and you're, you're a little insecure in doing it, people can smell that on you and and kids can smell that on you and, you know, even without doing it, realising they're doing it, they'll... They'll go in, But for me, it was always like, yeah, I sing and I love it. And it was just part of, but then at the same time, I was the kid that was playing football with everyone. And, and do you know what I mean? So I wasn't just that kid who was, oh, he was singing and, that, and that's not cool. And to be honest with you, yeah, I, n- I never struggled with that, luckily. And, and all my friends, like I started singing in pubs, I think, when I was 15, maybe even younger. And then my mates would just come to the pub on the weekend and, you know, they'd watch me sing. So it was, yeah. my best mates were really supportive always. And so, yeah, I never, I never had any of that, but my whole, my school life was very separate to my music life, which also was quite difficult because I'd meet friends in music who were all friends with creatives. And so, you know, it'd be like, you'd have the singer, you'd have the videographer, the producer, and they'd all be pals. Whereas my, at our school, it wasn't as creative. It was very much, you know, all my best mates went on to work in, in the city, in insurance or accounting. And so I almost had two separate groups of friends. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like that's the one thing I didn't get from Campion, that sort of creative network, I guess. I just got my best mates who I can really rely on and for loyalty and, and I didn't, wouldn't swap them for the world. But, you know, it didn't promote creativity, I wouldn't say, in that sense. Did you get into the chamber choir? So I, again, like the choir, I think I, that was never my thing. That was never, Yeah. I remember in a choir, I mean, maybe this is someone that's a bit of a show off, I don't know, but I'd want to sing. And then I've, I remember almost being put, oh no, you've got a sort of, you know, like no solos, you know, you'd be put in the in the choir and that wasn't my thing. Do you know what I mean? I was like, there was no sort of celebration of, of talent. I didn't feel it was more like, you know, you just sing the thing. And it was like. So yeah, for me, I think I, I was in it for a week or something. I was like, oh, this, this isn't really me. And I, and plus the music wasn't what I was necessarily listening to.
0: Yeah. I only ask, cause I remember, I think I mentioned in a previous podcast episode where I was just guided, I didn't get into the chamber choir for some reason. Like I oh, remember really? being taken a music class. It was Mr. Cronin. I remember him. Yeah. He was my form tutor. Oh, he's a form tutor. Yeah. And we had another teacher and it we went into like a room with four of us and we all had to like sing individually, like a couple lines. Of like a hymn or something. Yeah. And then they were just like, nah. Didn't get that letter. <laughs> didn't make the gutted. cut, no, bro. <laughs> I was going I thought everyone did. And I didn't even think I was bad, you know? Oh no. But yeah, devastated.
1: It wasn't as good as you thought it was, don't worry. It was it was it wasn't that fun. Yeah. You didn't yeah, miss good, it out on much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I, I like to do this kind of stuff in like chronological order. Cool. So cool, I cool. guess when did you kind of first start to realise you could sing?
1: Probably when I was like I, I used to sing in the car, like my dad used to play me his old soul records and he loved his soul and his funk and his disco. Um, and he didn't play it to me thinking that I was going to be musical. He just played it. And I was like, I love this. This is amazing. And I was like 10 and I heard like Earth, Wind & Fire or Bill Withers and I was like, wow. And as a 10-year-old, I think that was maybe a little bit different anyway. You know, like my brother heard the same music and just didn't, didn't connect to it, you know. But I really did. And then I started singing along a few times and then I think my dad was like, I think he can sing. Like, no one really knew. And then it just sort of developed. And I, I mean, one of the starting points I always think of is when I entered a little local talent competition at, like, a local pub. And I was probably 13. And I don't know what gave me the confidence to enter the competition, but I did. And all these other girls were there, like, 13, 14, 15-year-old and even older. And they seemed so prepared. Like, they'd been doing it all their lives. And I'd literally been, not been doing it long. And I was like, oh, I've got no chance. And I won this competition. And then I was just remember thinking, I'm all right. Do you know what I mean? And I can do this. And, and, all, and more importantly, the feeling of performing was just incredible. Like, and I didn't want any other high after that. It was like I just became obsessed with that feeling. And I was like, I just want to get it again and again and again and again. And I was very competitive, so I wanted to win. But more, more important was that feeling of having a room of people that you could control the emotion of. And being told you're good at something as well feels amazing. And, you know, at 13, 14, and then I started to do it in the local pubs. And you just grow up, you know, like I was, I'd go in as a 14, 15 year old kid with a little flat cap on in like some rough pubs, like in Averley and Rainham and, and other places. And then, you know, I'd walk in and it was like, who's this kid? Like, and I'd, and I'd, people would say that to me. Who, who are you? Like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And like some tough looking men. And by the end of the night, that same man was dancing with his wife to my music. Do you know what I mean? And it was like, I loved that. And and it was it, it really made me grow up and learn as a person and as an artist. And yeah, I just become obsessed with a, with a, with a high of, of people listening to me and the high of being able to control a room and, and make people dance or make people listen. And it was like, that feeling's not got old. And it, I don't think it ever
2: will, you know? You know, the thing about concerts, yeah, like the reason I think I love them so much is when I went to the, and everyone, in, like the majority of people in the room or whatever, you know, like the wherever is the venue, since they're on the same energy, it feels so amazing. And then yeah. once I went the first time, I knew that I had to go back. And that's why I love going concerts because for those few hours, yeah, like that, That as you said, like there's no high that can match it. Like it's just an amazing feeling with people vibing with you. Oh,
1: Bro, absolutely. I mean, it feels amazing going to a concert. And what I also love is like, how it can be people from all different backgrounds, all ages, and you're dancing to the same beat. Do you know what I mean? You're singing to the same song, and it doesn't matter where you're from. And it's like, I, I love that. And it feels good at the concert. Being the person on stage controlling that emotion, it's, it's even different. It's like, it, it's such a high. And, uh, you know, I, even if I do weddings, you know, obviously like, I love it when I do my own songs and perform with my own band and, people sing along to that, that's obviously more special. But if I'm doing weddings and I'm still, and I'm singing covers of other people's songs, I'm giving people a a feeling and an emotion. It still feels special. Do you know what I mean? And and it's still a high that is unparalleled for me.
0: Yeah. When you were like, so at that age, you said like 14, 15, 13, and you were just like going into pubs where you just kind of like walking in and being like, hey, can you need someone to sing for you? Pretty
1: much. like, it was always often, I remember there was an agency that I uh, asked Can you get me some gigs? And then they didn't get me any. And um, and I was like, oh, fuck them. And then uh, it was just like one mate's dad owned a pub. So I sang in there or something like that. And then it just led to one pub. And then it was like, oh, well, my mate's got another pub. And then it just led to another pub. And then by the time like a year or two went by, I was like just everyone sort of like knew, like loads of people knew me. And Mm. I remember mean, that same agency coming back, like offering me gigs. And I was like, oh, honestly, right, oh, there's no point that I can get a gig on my own. No, I don't need to pay. Yeah, like. That must have been a good feeling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. And then the pub stopped and it went to like fancier bars. And then it went to no bars and then weddings and then fancier weddings and then some footballers weddings and, you know, like, and higher end stuff. And all the while that was growing, which was, you know, my, my financial side. Was, was me growing as an artist, which was more important. And, you know, and the financial side was funding me as an artist, I guess, to write my own songs and, and and put on my own shows. That was how it was, and that's how it's still going for me. You know, I just want to get better and better. And, you know, eventually I got to a point where I, I, was, I obviously stopped doing any pubs or any bars or anything like that. And you just, you know, yeah, you just keep striving, I guess. So were you getting
0: paid for these gigs, especially in the, like, the early days?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was great money as well because it was like, so say... You know, my mates would be working all week for like even like what? What was I? Earned? I thought my first pub gig was probably like it was hundred and twenty five quid or whatever. Like how much is? I don't know. But well, my mates were working hours for that at a shop.
2: Yeah, right? yeah. back then it was probably like five pound or something. Yeah,
1: exactly. Literally. So like that's like like they would earn that in a week or whatever. You know, after school going to the shop like to the shop to work. And I earn that in the night, and I loved it. But I always say like. And maybe this was, you know, I don't know, naive of me, but it was like, if a crowd was amazing and if the gig was amazing, I was like, I'd be willing to take half of this money. Like, and if it was shit, I'd be like, I'd, I'd rather earn half of what I'm earning and get the buzz. Do you know what I mean? It was, so as much as the money was great for me, it was more about, I just wanted to get that feeling every Saturday. And there was a point where I was doing like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like every week. And so I was earning like, fortune compared to my mates at like yeah. 15 years old but I was addicted to the high of it really when I look back you know I wasn't addicted to the money at all I was you know the, the money was just nice and it was you know but I, I didn't really I didn't look at that it was more I was just absolutely you know when my mates was first trying stuff going to parties and that a lot of the time I was working but I was getting high at was unparalleled, so I didn't care. Do you know what I mean? Is it almost like addictive? Oh, abs- absolutely addictive is. Yeah, it's it's really addictive. And and I feel like that's one of the reasons I sort of underestimated it, that the power of it this year, you know, I've done a lot of sort of mm. gigs on, on Instagram and getting the reaction and just even the comments, you know, that feels nice and it's a good buzz. But I, I underestimate the power that performance people gives to me. And and I understand why artists, you know, will go off the rails because you're on such a high coming off stage. Like, as I said, like, it's such a high and it's so addictive that you come off stage and everything feels really fucking boring and, and flat and you, don't, and you keep chasing that high. So I can understand why certain artists will turn to drink or drugs or whatever to maintain that high. But obviously they're not as healthy and it's like, it's how you deal with that. Like, when I come off stage, often the next day I'm really flat and I'm really low because I'm like, I've been up there and then you have to come back down. And after the gig, I never want to go home. I'm like, well, where are we going next? Where's the party? Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a really interesting thing.
0: Yeah, I never really thought about it like that, like how so many artists like, do go into drinking and yep. like, drugs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so like then going forward a bit more, when was the point where you were kind of like, so you're in school at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and what I felt from camping in a way was like, you were kind of pushed towards university. Oh yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. a lot like UCAS, the UCAS process. I don't think maybe a handful of people didn't apply to university at no. the least yeah, yeah, for yeah, my yeah. year. So when was when did you feel like okay, I'm not gonna. I'm assuming you, you didn't go to uni.
1: No, so I didn't go to uni. So I, I actually, I was I was quite good at school. Like I got like my grades were really good.
0: And yeah, I saw a saw an article in the Romford Recorder online. Oh really? <laughs> from you from back in back in the day. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I did. I was like, I've just obsessed. I've also, like, I would never say I was like a genius at school, but I was obsessed with doing as good as I can at anything. And I've still got that obsession now. And it's like not often healthy for me mentally, but it's just who I am. So, like, maths, for example, which I got really good at, would be like, well, the first paper I'd do, I'd get like 40%. It's like, I'd do every single past paper there was. And then I'd end up getting, you know, 90 odd or whatever. I'm just obsessed, you know, w- with anything I do. So it was like, I was going to do my A-levels and that was always the the plan. And it was like, I was just going to put everything I could and I was like, and I probably got the best grades I could. There was one grade that I was like, oh, I wish I maybe. But I never had any plans to go uni with it. I wasn't thinking I want to get these grades to go uni. It was more like, uh, there's this thing inside of me and it was like, oh, I've got to do as good as I can. It's just how I've been brought up really. And um, I don't know if it was connected to my OCD or my dad being, you know, oh, we're such a hard worker or whatever it is. But I never wanted to use him to go uni, so I got my great grades on on the the day. And then Mr. Williams, I bumped into, him, and he was like, "Oh, so what's the plan? Are you going uni?" I was like, "Oh no, no, no! I'm gonna I'm gonna have a year out and focus on my music." And he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, and then go uni after that year, right?" And I remember thinking, I walked away and I was like, "No, no, not not." Classic
0: like Mr. Williams. <laughs> yeah, and
1: Mr. Williams is <laughs> a great guy. I love him. You know, really, really good guy. But like, and I wanted to prove him wrong. Like, no, I don't need to. F- this ain't a game for me, music. Do you know what I mean? It ain't like I mean. I said a year out at the time. I underestimated massively the the level and and the landscape of music. You know, to ever suggest that a year would would be near enough. But um, as it was in that year, I, I signed a record deal. So for me, it was like, yeah, you know, Mr. Williams, I appreciate that comment, but no, I didn't need to come back. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? This is the year after school. So yeah, I left. So yeah, done my A levels, left school. Didn't go to uni. I mean, even like none of my best mates went to uni and they were all like,
2: okay,
1: yeah, they actually, they were doing really well and got really great jobs. They all just went straight into the city, you know.
2: Did you start writing songs then at 15 or was that just covers? Which point did you stop doing covers till if you did stop that is, and which point did you actually start writing your own songs?
1: So I started to write songs when I was like 15, 16, probably, but they were awful, like terrible, terrible songs. And I was put with certain producers, like, so you got to think when I was like 15, like I'd entered a few little local competitions and you just start meeting like a bit of a circle. And then like, there's a ton of people that start getting involved. So like from labels and like just some chances and like a whole load of people that think they can make a little bit of money or just fill you with a lot of shit. And you're naive at 15, 16, and then they introduce you to a producer and a songwriter or whatever. And there's like a whole load of that going on. But it was always enjoyable and i always learned from it. and in answer to your question, I never stopped covers and I've never stopped covers. I still sing covers now. I, I, I call them reworks because I don't like to think that I'm doing the same version of another song. Do you know what I mean? I like to make it my own, but I'll still I'll still do that. But I was writing at about 15, 16. Not very good, I'll be honest with you. Like I could, I could really sing and I've been really good at singing for a long time. But as an artist, as a songwriter, no, I was pretty naff actually. But... What it's, when it sort of changed and went up a gear was probably yeah the year after I left school I was singing at an open mic in London and someone was actually scouting someone else but saw me sing and then um, called me in and it was like a big record label it was a big old deal and then um, I, signed a, I signed a record deal with them basically like within that sort of next year and that was like huge because I was like oh here we go you know this is easy you know I left school I thought I'd give it a year yeah. and it's worked and they were, they, you know, they were, it was a big thing for me. It was like, I thought this was it. And uh, they were really good people. And probably for the next, like, two years, I was just solidly working there, putting me with different producers every day, like producers that, had, you know, wrote massive hits in the past. And I was just, you know.
0: Yeah, so what does a record label do? What's the advantage to signing with a
1: record label? I mean, it's changed. It's changed dramatically. So, over the, so you've got to think back in, like, maybe 20 years ago, maybe a bit longer, you needed a record label to do anything. You know, you couldn't afford to record a song if you didn't have a record label. Like, the studio cost alone was just, you couldn't do it. Now, with the whole modern era of Spotify, laptops, anyone can record a song and release a song. So the power of the record label is a little less. I mean, they still are very powerful, but the, I say the power, the necessity for a record label is a little less. You know, you don't need them to To develop you or or put you in a studio, I can make it in my bedroom. Do you know what I mean? And this particular label, they, I mean, I didn't realize it at the time, but they were just trying to work out, you know, because you're a product and they were trying to work out how do we best market this product? You know, what's it going to be? What's the angle? So it was like, is it, you know, like white little pop kid or is it going to be like soul star or is it going to be, you know, and at the time I didn't really realize that they're thinking that. I'm just writing songs and having fun and, and taking it incredibly seriously, but they're thinking on that, you know, they're always thinking, how do we market this? Do you know what I mean? I guess. And anyway, I wrote a ton of songs and a ton of really average songs. And I worked with like great people. But in all honesty, I wasn't an artist then. I was a kid who could really sing. And I was an incredibly determined kid, obsessed kid. And I had a really good voice. But artists, no, I, I couldn't write a song really. Like... I look back then, I wrote hundreds of songs, and like there's
0: a couple that are okay <laughs> like literally, um, so would you say that's like the difference between an artist and like a singer? it it all depends
1: on the sort of artist you want to be, because there's some art, there's some kids that they get it right, and you get lucky, and I think you've always got to have that something that people connect to, whatever it is, it can be your voice or it can be your image or it can be your personality. They could have put me in a room with, with a certain producer and that producer could have wrote me a hit, right? And they could have done all the work. And, and they could have molded me, I guess, and made me a child star or just they could have made me a star, really. Mm. But That's luck, a load of luck and a load of stars. have got to rely on for that, you know, but it can happen. Or you're an artist who has something to say and you really care about what you want to say, which is where I'm at now. And it's like, I'm writing my songs. I, I, I could have been there are artists that don't write their own songs that are still great artists, but they don't write a lyric. But because of how things added up and and because of how they've been presented and marketed, they become the star. Do you know what I mean? But that, that, I don't think that was ever going to work with me, um, for whatever reason, or, or just in this in this capacity, it didn't. And then um, that label actually folded, the record label side of it disbanded. So then I was on my own and it was like, it was quite gutting because I guess you think when I signed it, it was like, oh, I'm going to be an absolute superstar. You know, really, being honest, I thought that. And then you've got to tell all your mates, oh yeah, I'm no longer signed. It was like, oh, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? You're back to the kid just, just doing
2: music and then. Unsigned like CardiCaprio?
1: Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. And it's like, you sort of, and then the fucking, you know, someone bumped into your mum. was like, oh, is he still stinging? Still You know, and it's like, and see, even for your ego, it's just a little difficult, I think. But actually after that, I started to create the best music I've ever made. And I'd made a whole lot of contacts. I, I got another manager and I actually, I think over time, I slowly switched from, I probably expected a record label to find who I was as an artist and to create a star. And then I realized, oh, no, the only person that can do that is me. So I learned everything. I would teach myself everything and I would just, I'd hit everyone up. I'd email everyone. I, they, I couldn't rely on anyone else. Even in the back of your mind, having a record label, you're like, well, they should be doing this, so I'm expecting them to do that. But if they don't do it, no one, get, no one does it. Now, I've got a manager, but I'm like, I don't rely on anyone for anything. If I need to hit someone up, I'll send the email. I'll call them. I, I'll do everything. And I, and I think I learned that after being with a record label, and this is no disrespect to them, but no one's going to care. I think as artists, we're almost selfish. We we think people care about me, us more than we do. No one gives a shit. No one's waking up at 2 a.m. obsessing over that set list like I am. And so they shouldn't, unless you're making someone millions of pounds or even thousands of pounds, no one cares about you as much as you. And that's what I sort of worked out. And then I just become obsessed even more. I started working harder and. And then I actually was like, oh, I know how I want to sound. I know what I want to say. And you're always just working it out. And now I'm just like, the, the dreams changed from wanting to get signed to just, it, it's now not wanting to get signed. My dream is just to connect with as many people as possible, with my music as possible. If that means I need to sign a record deal, cool. But if not, so what? I can do,
2: I'll do as much as I can on my own. Do you know what I mean? I was going to add on for the um, record label thing. I think they do a lot of like marketing. They push it out in a lot of different avenues. They mm-hmm. can bring in like funding for your videos, like all the appropriate teams. So yep. th- all the things that you would use, like, I guess right now that like Luke does by himself. Yes. A lot of things can be done for him. They would also help push it into like the radio because they'll have more relevant contacts and contracts with all these companies. Bro, a hundred percent. They have funding and they can do that, but there's
1: no guarantee. Yeah. like. For example, they would want to get your song on Love Island, right? And they would want it to get it a big moment on Love Island. Signed artists. I know for a fact they would. I'm independent. And my, I got, I had one of the biggest songs on Love Island. And I did that without a label. And they couldn't guarantee that. Do you know what I mean? So there's so much you can do. Like I'm doing a venue called Scala next year, which is like six, uh, like 700 capacity. They would like, this isn't me bigging myself up, but signed artists, they would love to make their artist be able to do a venue that big. So it's like they can't they can pump as much money as anything. You can pump hundreds of thousands of pounds into something. There's no golden rule of why something connects. Do you know what I mean? There's no golden rule why someone will buy a ticket to watch that person sing or that person perform. It's it's an un sort of like I don't know, you can't see it. Untangling. But it's there's a connection with an artist and a fan that no amount of money can can guarantee do you know what i mean as well
2: yeah i was gonna say like the best kind of like music that when the uk finally i guess got some of the recognition it deserved yeah, it was like with people when they wouldn't even charge for features and so on yeah like so like a lot of like for example the grime and scene they did it without without money whilst being on like basically stomped on by the, kind of like the record labels on the industry and they still made it to where they are And a lot of them just do free features for each other because you know it's just like it doesn't even matter that much it's just like do a free feature they'll come back to another time They'll like come out of a show for the other person. They don't ask for like ridiculous amounts of money. Obviously, sometimes labels make it difficult. So one artist I like, who's on the label for whatever reason, is Shaka. And yep, you see constantly that the amount of music he can output is an output because of the label. I think has ownership of it. They get copyright strike and they choose the release dates. Whereas he has some other stuff. Like I know on SoundCloud, he releases some stuff here and there because like he likes to make music, you know. But he, I'm pretty sure his label just has him like blocked off. Why? Just why? Absolutely, man. Like you spot on and Shaka is someone
1: that's so talented Yeah, and he's almost someone that you think would benefit from being independent. It's, yeah, It's I mean like there's obviously a massive pros to, to being signed but you're dead yeah. right and also as an English um, and certainly in the grime scene mm-hmm. as a, as an as a, I think as a nation we, we really respect raw talent. We, you know, like Stormzy blew up having a video of him in a park, no, blow, no bells and whistles, no thousands of pounds cameras, video of him in a park. That's what people like. Like yeah. people respect that. People relate to that. And so how much did that cost? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and people that got more views and more connection than someone that's like spent hundreds of thousands of pounds on, on a video that's like with some fancy car and some fancy chick it was like, who can relate to that? So that's the way music's going. And I mean, even if I look at some of the stuff that I do, I've done videos here in my in this room and it's just gone like like a little like mashup of songs or whatever that have got like millions of views. And then I've spent loads of time and looking at an art and a beautiful music video that hardly anyone's watched. So it's like people don't care about how much money's been spent into something. They just care about
2: if it connects to them. Yeah. I was going to say as well, like what I think yeah, is like this, this is kind of sidetracking a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm tangenting. So like what I think is like the Americans, yeah, like had some amazing production and it was always in our faces. Yeah. So like the Eminem 50 cent, Dr. Dre area, the, um, the Snoop Dogg area. Yeah? yeah. like That was when the America was probably at its best because that's all we could kind of always hear. We were kind of forced to listen to it. But then when the UK music finally came through, even without record labels and stuff, their production and like the beats and everything would just be way better. And that's why, like, I feel like no, american artists right now can basically top anything from the uk like and i know that's a mad statement to say but like for me personally like i pretty much just listen to uk music these days so i only have my old obviously like as i said 50 cent for example but like right now it's just like the uk has finally come through in the last few years like on a big scale and that means all there is is a lot of uk music for me to pick and dive into which is amazing Mm,
1: no no look i think uk music is great i think there's always that it's in, in us as people compared to, I think, English compared to American is a lot more, what's the what's the word? We're probably a lot more.
2: Down to earth, maybe? Like.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that actually seeps through the music as well. You know, there's a, it's a lot more raw. It's a lot, it's a lot less clean. It's a lot less perfect. So for, for certain artists, that works. But then I've also spent a lot of time in America and in LA, and I know that their level of work ethic is even more than ours, I've found. So it's just different, you know. You would never get someone like a Selena Gomez in the UK. It would—I don't think it would work as much because we don't like the perfect girl over here. We don't like the perfect. If you're if you're beautiful, you sound amazing. You have got great songs. It's almost like well, like we like we prefer Ed Sheeran, who you look like you can have a beer with, and <laughs> yeah, plays a <yeah>. guitar, <laughs> or Adele, who's a little bit rough around the edges, like as as English people I just think we prefer that that's just in our uh, nature to not we're almost like I don't know if he said jealousy or down to earthness but if, you, if you're if you good and you know you're good and you look great as well well I don't know you know calm down love do
2: you know what I mean well, he said we're a bit like that and the thing I like is yeah, I think like the UK does a lot so the UK a lot of at least I his they don't do things for the chance but sometimes they just end up in the chance like do you know what I mean like um, it's just because they're doing what they are like, and it's good. And then some other people like, oh, they discover it and they think it's good as well. So when you're watching reaction videos as well, even from like yeah. Americans, they're just like, "Yo, these lot are on something." But like, I'm like, yeah, they always have been. It's just that you lot are discovering it now because maybe everyone's tired of looking for that same charty music or whatever it is. I don't, I don't know. Like, that's just no, from my no, perspective.
1: no, no. That's that's true. And I mean, the thing is, I think someone like Stormzy is such an a great example of. You know, like someone that for so long has been such great music and someone like has as raw as that, as I say, as a raw as a video in a park to then go to headline Glastonbury is, just you know, that's, it's insane. Like when you think of that, the, the doors that would have been blocked before him, is it, pretty crazy. And, you know, someone like Georgia Smith still not got a record label, I don't think, you know, so yeah, there's, it's that, that's, they're great stories and they're nice.
0: Did you ever consider like any of like the talent shows? I'm talking like X Factor, Britain's Got Talent, all them. Because back then, like now it's a lot less reputable, but I guess back then it was quite a big, a big thing.
1: So I I was asked or I've been asked probably every year since I was 16, 17 to enter those competitions. Basically a lot of it is, is sort of scouted as well, you know, so like I mean, I'm sure, you know, like they'll be, have like the thousands of cues. Mm. I mean, I'm sure they'll pick certain ones from those thousands of cues, but most of it is, is people that they'll call up and go, oh, you know, we've seen you. Would you like to come for an audition sort of vibe? Do you know what I mean? And I've been asked to do it probably every, every year since then. And I'm really grateful that they've called me up. But, and I would never look down on a show because they, they've, they can give you a platform. You know, yeah. look at someone like Callum Scott who went to Britain's Got Talent and then had a, one of the biggest songs
0: of the decade. Do you know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, so many people like shit on them, but I'm like, people come out of it like Little Mix or One, one Direction. Like, who are they before that? They gave them that platform.
1: Even James Arthur, who's a credible artist. And yeah, I mean, I just, I just was so sure that I'm going to get there this way. Eventually, do you know what I mean? I never say never. Like there might be a time where I'm like, you know what, I've exhausted this option. I might have a, have a, have a, have a look at that. But I've always just been like, you know, thanks, but but not not right now. I, I'm i really feel like you know, as long as I'm growing, then I can't complain. Do you know what I mean? And if the if the venues are getting bigger, if the fans are getting a larger size, if I if my songs are getting better, then it's only a matter of time before it's going to click for me. You know and The last two years have been have been good like that. I've been you know it's been going up, and eventually I'm hopefully he's gonna get to an arena tour. Do you know what I mean? One day, and I genuinely believe that. And if I didn't believe that as much, I would have entered a competition. If I didn't believe in what I was doing as much as I as much as I do, I would have said, "Yeah, go on, like let's have a go at at the competition." But I really do believe in what I'm doing. So until that belief wavers, um, I'm gonna stick at
0: it. Yeah, good. I I can't remember during school if I knew about you like knew you could sing and all that. Like as you said you kept yep. it quite separate from like school life. But there were probably like rumors as like or like murmurs mm-hmm. as those things happen. I remember like a maybe a year or two afterwards a video that was being shared by like friends of mine came up and it was you doing not a cover a rework of uh <laughs> Stormzy's Blinded by Your Grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it got shared by like one of the radio stations, like
1: yeah, I've or was it Capital X or Capital? I yeah, Capital Extra, Stormzy actually retweeted it himself and M and E K. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that I, that was awesome
0: because yeah. like I saw that on Facebook and then that was when I started like I was like, oh, I like your page, like check it out on Instagram and started like following you again. Was that a turning point at all?
1: It, it's so weird, honestly. It's like you work so hard and you, like I, I've done hundreds of those sort of videos and then nothing clicks and then. You just you don't know where the next win's gonna come from, and that blinded by your grace. I actually didn't realize how big it was at the time because like ton of like record labels and that hit me up after that, and I didn't almost, I didn't even realize I didn't even realize I was like oh yeah whatever like they're just telling me I'm great cool. And you look back and you realize how much is based on gas in this industry because I'm ten times better than I was then. But that video goes viral. Stormzy retweets it. Emily Carey tweets it. Fraser T Smith who produced the record put it on Twitter as well. And, like, loads of people hit me up, like, all these labels, because it's all gas, and they're all gassing each other up. It's like, oh, bro, you heard this guy with his voice? And they all telling me I'm the best thing ever. It's like, I had loads to learn then. I I, it was just a good video. So as a turning point, I actually wouldn't say it was a, it was a turning point. It was just a, it was an introduction of me to the, to the music industry, I guess. A lot of people found out about me within the industry. But as I say, it's all about, I've I'd almost, I'd almost been cleverer to do that and then not post another thing, like honestly, like you could, I could have played it that way in the sense of like done that, not posted anything else. Every label, right, would have just gassed themselves up. Like this
0: guy's the best
1: thing. Like, but because I'm saying I would never have done that. But if you were clever, you could. That could have been an option.
0: Why? Why would that have been clever?
1: Labels, right, or A and R's? They like something that someone else wants. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And when they don't know about it, right, you could gas someone up and they could, and they could all start talking amongst themselves. If they don't meet you, if they never see you, if they, if they don't see you perform live and they've just seen one video and that goes viral and everyone starts wanting you, no one wants to miss out. Yeah. I've seen it happen with other artists where like they're saying that this girl, like this girl's the best thing ever. It's like, no one's even seen her perform live, but, but she's released a little video of her in a fucking bedroom that's gone viral and whatever. It's like, Oh, so they were all like, no one wants to miss out. So like when I look back now, I'm like, I could have I played that because at that time I actually did get like quite a really like reputable people saying how great and cool I was. And I wasn't even that, I wasn't that cool at that time. But everyone was like, a lot of people were saying it, like people from Columbia and like all these like cool kids who knew what they were talking about and these a It's like, whereas what I probably did the opposite. I just started hammering and I was doing, you know, and my fan base was growing. But the more accessible you are, you almost become less elusive. Do you know what I mean? And it's uh, that for me, it was all that is, uh, to be honest with you, Aaron, it's like, it's just a win. So you do it for ages, nothing happens. You feel like you're fighting against a brick wall. You know, you've seen that little meme of that guy knocking through the, you know, the the rock and, you know, trying to get through. And it's like, all that is. It's like for ages, rather than turning around, you get the win, you're like, fuck it, break through, we go again, we go again. That's all it's ever been for me. And then the same with the Love Island thing. It's like nothing's happened for ages. You're constantly trying, nothing's sticking. And then you get a win and it's like, well, I'm never going to stop. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I wouldn't say turning point for me personally, but yeah, definitely a lot of people found out about me that way and people started to respect it a bit more, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think people always have like, so from the other end, I think they're always like hunting for like, you know, cause they know they can make millions and all that stuff Yeah, g- gain their own network and like expand and continue to make money. Cause they're looking at purely like, obviously you're, you're a business asset cool. for them, cool. If anything. Yeah. And so like, I can understand it. Cause you know, there's always from like local here called K Kokia yeah, And then many years ago when the rock nation signed him, they were looking to be- for the best UK, whatever was, who's the most popping UK artist. And then, yeah whoever was talking about the most popping artists around local that wasn't signed or whatever. Um, it happened to be K Coke, like the most underground one. And they, they signed K Coke at the time, just based on that. Like, obviously they had heard of some of his stuff, but they knew that the UK underground loved the music that he output at the time. So they signed him on that. So like a lot of it, I guess you are right. It comes off like hearsay and who, you know, what people say, what grossed your attention or if they think they can monetize you to their benefit and maybe like take you at a point where you're, slightly more naive slash vulnerable to not understanding everything that goes into contracts and so on. Mm. Like they, they're just praying for any opportunity to fuck people over. Like you hear about it all the time nowadays, like record labels have do- dodgy clauses in, in artists' contracts all the time. So
1: I mean, like the, the I, I wouldn't know like where the contract, I feel like that's a lot different nowadays than what it was back, back then. But what I would say is hype, hype is everything. Hype is worth more than talent. In, in the industry and Getting signed You can get signed Off the back of hype More than talent I'd say
2: Do you remember that kid At Glastonbury That got signed Bro, Made what, one that, song And Alec- then I think they dropped I don't know what happened to him As like in the
0: it. one who came on with Dave Yeah,
2: yeah. Alex from That was that fucking, Yeah
0: Did he actually get signed? <laughs> yeah he got signed To a record label <laughs> oh, mad. But it's He put a song out <laughs> it? Yeah I remember he put a song out But I didn't know if that was like From a record label Just his own thing and this isn't me. this isn't me knocking labels. like there are some great people at labels, but it's just
1: the, the industry as a whole. It, no one wants to miss out on hype, but what I've got to believe is I'm not an artist that I want to hype. But so what? okay, so say I was to get signed off the back of hype and then I had a successful crew, like two years. I, I wouldn't want that. I want to be performing in 30 years' time and having sell out shows, doing the greatest hits. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. like <laughs> so <laughs> So hype, hype ain't going to get me that. Hype might get me signed, but talent and determination is going to get me that in 20, 30 years' time. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it is interesting, but like, it's easy for me to sit here and slag, I'm not slagging anyone off. I'm just saying that I've just seen how people work. And like, I've just seen how people have been around me when hype's been happening. When big things have come off, like that Stormzy video. And I've just like seen how people in the industry start treating me different and then they'll ghost me and then something else happens and then they treat me different. So it's all based around hype. I'm no better than I was yesterday. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or whatever. So yeah, it, it, it is interesting. But you, as a naive kid, you're like, you, your ego wants to believe that they love you. But then you step back and you're like, no, they don't love me. They love the hype around me right now. That's it.
0: Yeah. So you said, mentioned like how for you, it's been kind of, instead of like turning points, it's been like kind of getting a win every now and then. One of them you did mention was What You Won't Do For Love, so the song that played on Love Island. Let's, let's listen to some of that.
1: What you won't do Do for love
2: You tried
1: everything But you don't give up And in my world
0: Only you Makes me do for love but I would not do. I guess you wonder where I've been. Do you like, I'm sure like that? that it as if not going to edit it, made it out. Out. anyways. Like- <laughs> 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 yeah. So that was what you won't do for love. So that was your rework, actually. That came yes. up on love, that, love Island. Funny story about that. Actually, is when I first heard of it, I didn't realize it was a rework. And then, literally, after we like going into contact. Somebody retweeted the original on my Twitter timeline of the Bobby uh, Caldwell, Bobby Caldwell, yeah, 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 music video, and I was like, "Wait, that sounds familiar." And I had to check, and I was like, "Oh shit, it was a rework." A lot of
1: people thought that. Like, I had these some girls from like we're in Ibiza sending me a video of the original guy. Oh, your song's being played in Ibiza, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, you made it at that point yeah
2: you know when the covers make it more popular than the originals yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yes that's that's
0: kind of what yours did right give us a story on like how that whole like yeah it was
1: it, it was it was really weird so i'd done a couple people mentioned that i was similar to bobby caldwell who was this guy that was like in the 80s who had the most amazing voice white guy um full of soul and he had this thing where you know a load of people didn't know what he looked like. On his, on his album covers, he, he even had like silhouettes of himself. So a load of people thought he was a black guy. And there was like a whole big tweet going around like, oh, I don't know, a few years ago. It was like, wait, what, Bobby Caldwell's white? <laughs> and then like, there was like, Twitter just went mad. <laughs> and Bobby Caldwell replied to it going, am I? <laughs> and like, it just went viral. And um, people were just saying that like, they remind I, I, my voice reminded me of it of him. I said, oh, you should do some of his songs. And it kept coming up too often to be a coincidence. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do a version of what you won't do for love. And I did it and I knew it sounded good. I did it in this room and it felt good. But like, as I say, like, I, do, I do so much. I do so much that feels like it could be good at that point. And then let it go. I gave it to this independent label who I, who I uh, released it through and they pitched it to Love Island. But they pitched a ton of songs to Love Island, so you know there's no guarantees. And then I got the call, or well, I got an email going. I think they're going, we think they're going to use it. Can you send us over the instrumental? Blah blah. blah. And then they were like, oh, I think they're going to use it tonight. That we've been, we've you know, we just had a little, you know, someone emailed us, and I was like, oh cool. So I was about to go on stage. I actually had a gig that night, and my friends text me a 10 second clip of Love Island, yeah, and they're playing what you won't do for love, and I was like, oh yes, they played like 10 seconds of it, buzzing. And then my phone just blew up and it was like a two-minute clip. Someone whatsapp me and I was like, I watched the whole clip. I'm about to go on stage. And I was like, they've used the whole fucking song. This is ridiculous. So I was buzzing because obviously they use, nine, they use over 900 songs a series. Yeah. But obviously like so many of those are just being played for that like 10 seconds, five seconds here and there. But my one was, was they just, I got really lucky. They played it at the moment when the winner split up with the other guy and it was like just the moment and they played the whole they played like the whole track and so it was like number one in the Shazam charts and we just hammered it like I couldn't that night I performed so bad because I couldn't focus (laughs) it was (laughs) it was a madness and then um, Good Morning Britain got in touch they were like can you come perform it on, on for us that was amazing and it was just great it was just like my Again, as I say, I hadn't had a win in a long while, and I'd worked so hard, and nothing had really come off. Or you just, you know, you keep ploughing on. You're like, "Fuck sake!" And then that come, and you're like, "Yes, we run with this. We, we, the wave's going." And it was probably like for two months, the wave was mad. Emails constantly, opportunities. You just, you know, and you just roll with it. And then that wave is inevitably going to come down, and you have to create another one. But yeah, really, really special moment.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine. Like it must have just been like a massive like whirlwind. Yeah. Like, period.
1: And also, it's like, I mean, even, I don't really look at it like this, but I guess subconsciously, there's an element of your ego, like, everyone is taking you seriously again, or at a point, and everyone's seeing it. And I don't really think of that, but I guess there's a part of that. You know that you, you, you just walk in with, like, you're feeling a couple inches taller. Yeah. You just got a bit more of a strut in your step because you're like, what I'm doing is working. And you know that other people know that now, or or there's a bit more respect there. And it's like, I mean, in fact, I I'll be honest, I don't really think of other people. It's more a case of what I'm doing is is working. Do you know what I mean? That's all you need to know, that what you're doing, you're getting closer and closer. And then, you know, and like, the feeling of performing on Good Morning Britain, are oh, madness. Like, that's such an amazing feeling. And to do it independently as well. So proud of that. Labels would love to get that opportunity, as I say, you know, so... Me to do that, and then the fan base grows, and then you just grow in step by step by step. And then you got to think, well, how do I create the next wave? You know, and <laughs>
2: keep it moving. yeah
0: I was wondering actually when, like shows like Love Island and wherever else they use other people's songs, like how that actually works. If they just use them, or if that's a lot of legalities involved in it. But they seem to like you, kind of, or your agency submitted it.
1: Yeah, so like, there'll be a ton of people that they'll get submitted, oh, like thousands of songs for a series thousands I mean some of them they'll put themselves like they'll be like the hits in there that they'll just put in for whatever but a lot of them they'll just be constantly pitched constantly listened to and then I just got really lucky like as an like you know and uh, as I say it's all about the moment that they play it because I had another they played my song in the second the the series after as well they played another one of my songs um, Love Don't Live Here Anymore I did a version of that and it was cool but like and they still played a fair wedge they probably played like 45 seconds maybe even more and, but it didn't, it, you know, it didn't change my life because it was just, it was just cool. It was a good moment. It was a good talking point, but that was the moment, that track. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, like every newspaper were running the story. It just feels so good. You're like this, I want this to be my life every day. Yeah.
0: This is what i this is what I've worked towards. But then when that, as you said, the wave comes down, I guess that kind of, as you said, like when artists come off the stage and they're yeah. on like such a high how was kind of that period where I don't know, things just started to like die down a bit? I guess
1: probably quite difficult because you're like there's an element of you that's like this wave is so big, you want it to create the big wave that doesn't stop. Do you know what I mean? And and you know the wave that gets you to you know whether that's signing a record deal or whether that's just the wave that creates you as an artist and that doesn't stop. There's an element of you that th- thinks it could be that, and it, and it was apparent that it was not going to be that. But it was, you know, it was a really good, you know, like someone like Freya Ridings, for example, she, her song was on Love Island and she actually, that was the wave that, that you know, that didn't stop. So there's an element in the thinking it could be that and then you realise it's not going to be that. And it's it's difficult, but at the same time, it's like, well, look, I didn't see that wing coming out of anywhere. So I don't know where the next one's going to come from either, but I know it's going to come because it. it And that gives you belief that there's going to be another one to come. Do you know what I mean? So you just shoot your shot, you know, and and it could be from a feature or it could be from your own song. It could be from a video that goes viral. It could be whatever. And that just gives you confidence for the next one. But yeah, I guess it is tough. It's just, it's all tough because mentally one minute you're like the cool kid and the popular kid and the hype kid and everyone's telling you how great you are. The next minute you're releasing a song and like no one's listening or whatever, or you feel like no one's listening. And yeah, that, that's tough to deal with. Of course it is. It's like, but it's the game I'm in and it's the game I chose to be in and, you know, it's, that's, that's the way it is. But at least that established me a bit more as an artist. Like I gained fans that genuinely give a shit and that will wait for like every one of my releases. You know, I, you know, I stopped becoming, I think that was a bit of a transformation from kid releasing music to artist with a fan
0: base. Yeah, you say that though, but before that, before that came on Love Island, you did go on tour with Rudimental, right?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That was the best week of my life to this day. I, I got the call up. They, basically, the guy that they normally use for these tours, there was a reason that they, they couldn't use him for this tour or whatever. And they'd heard of me. I don't even know. They'd heard of me. And they called me up like two days before, the, like three days before the tour. And they basically just called me in to check I could sing the songs, really. I went in the sang the songs. I was like, how you doing, lads? Blah, blah, blah. And they were like, do you fancy coming to Australia on Wednesday? <laughs> I was like, uh, I'll just check the diary, lads. And the next thing we're like on like business class flights to Australia. I was like, bro, I was like a kid in a that I couldn't absolutely. sleep. It was just unbelievable. And I was floating for 10 days. Like, I kid you not, I was floating. I was so... I was so full of confidence. It was like if I could bottle that 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 Luke, that version of Luke up and walk around with that same feeling, I would be unstoppable. <laughs> but um, and it was amazing. And I remember like the first night ugh, was in front of the first of a gig with them was in front of twenty five thousand people in Aust- in um in somewhere in Australia, and it was just bro. Like I'm like this is what I want to do every night of my life, and I was so nervous. Well, I say so nervous. I was so like. It was so overwhelming that I didn't know if I was any good on the show. I was wearing these in-ear monitors for the first time ever. I couldn't hear myself. I didn't know what was going on. What do
0: they do, actually?
1: Cuz I've seen loads of people like wear stuff in their ears, but I don't know what they So basically they're so that you can hear exactly what comes out of because obviously big venues, so you so you know like at a small venue I might have a monitor facing me, you know like a speaker on the floor. Right, yeah. So instead of that speaker on the floor, you have it straight into your ears. Okay. And you'd have it more at big venues because the size of the venue, you're, you, you need to hear exactly what comes out. Whereas if you've got a speaker, you, you might hear it at a different time than what it comes out, if that makes sense. Can you hear the crowd? No. That's, that's the thing that got me. I, I'm used to singing in pubs with the worst sound system ever, but I can hear everyone talking and I love that feeling. I couldn't hear anything. So I'm like, are they, I was like, are they thinking I'm shit? Yeah. <laughs> and it was only when I watched the videos back. So basically I just, the, that night, I sat in bed, and I typed in hashtag rudimental, and then all these videos come up, and I was like, "Oh mate, I was fucking good. I was really good. I was really really mm-hmm. happy," and uh, and it was just such a feeling. And then we had some other gigs, and we were flying from like Sydney to Melbourne, and going to these clubs where we were doing like we have done this club. And it was like I sung like two three songs, just got loads of free alcohol, jumped on the stage, and like you sing a bit, and then you're back and you're partying, and it was like. Oh, honestly, it was just the most special week. And um, yeah, I've done a few other bits with them since. But uh, yeah, that was like such a a taste for me of like what, what I'll hope to come for me, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: Do you ever think like the fame could be end up being too much for you? Like, do you ever think that if you be, had like Ed Sheeran level fame, do you ever think it's going to be too much for you?
1: No, 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 to be honest with you. I think the main reason I, I wouldn't, the people around me, you know, like my family, I think I'd struggle if I didn't have those, you know, because you start believing people love you after the hype. That's when it gets dangerous. I, I, I genuinely, you know, like my mum, dad and my three best mates and my brother would love me if I was singing at the Crown and Anchor in Averley or if I was selling out Wembley. No different. They'd love me just the same and that groundness is exactly what you need and, and they'd spot the chances off a mile away. See, I really, I think because of the solid foundations around me, I, I, I wouldn't worry about fame at all. I, I wouldn't be scared of fame. I wouldn't be scared of being known. They wouldn't allow it to go to my head. Obviously, you'd have certain days where you felt a bit cockier than you should, but there's nothing more embarrassing than your brother going, chill out, mate do you know what i mean um (laughs) or your best mates telling you so yeah I, i really wouldn't worry about that at all
0: so like looking back on like everything you've just said it sounds like really impressive how much you've done early on in your career really getting signed to a record label going on tour rudimental having a song played on like one of the top shows in the uk number one in shazam charts like what do you kind of you looking back on it, do you see it the same way or are you more like, could have done more?
1: No, it's, it's hard because it's like nothing's ever enough. And that's the problem with, with me and probably a lot of artists or probably most people. It's like, I could win a Grammy, but I'm not going to wake up a week later and think I've completed it, I've yeah. completed life. I'm thinking, well, what, what's next? So that's, that's what sort of scares me. It's like, am I, am I, what, am I, am I chasing happiness? I don't know because I I also know that I'm not gonna just be compl- like completed if I win a Grammy, or if I start selling. You know, do you know what I mean? It's like so. Yeah, I've achieved a lot, but no more than I've earned. You know what I mean? No, like and I was, I say that not in an, in an arrogant way. There's there's luck involved in everything, but I earn everything that I've achieved so far, and I I, I think I've deserved more. Maybe you know I say that you know as someone that's like knows that. Knows how much i put into this. And I've, everything I've put in, what I've got out, probably hasn't matched up just yet, you know. And, and it will do eventually one day. But it is hard. You don't ever stop to think, oh, I've done all right. Do you know what I mean? You just keep, you keep looking forward. You keep, keep moving. And I think that's not always to the benefit of my mental health. But I
0: probably think it's to the benefit of my career. Let's go on to your next song. So one released in 2020. And that is called yep. Higher.
1: The seasons, they'll come and they'll change It's okay not to be okay But I want this every day You take me higher than I've ever been it's impossible Holding on to hope But you won't let me
0: so that one you released in twenty twenty, yep. So this year, actually last year, because when it comes out, it's a New Year special. Yeah, is that is that an original? Yep, wrote that. I
1: actually wrote that after. Um, you know, we were talking about when that wave of what you won't do for love was coming down. I, I wrote that when I sort of realised that you know that that bittersweet feeling of feeling lucky to have experienced those highs, but also um, sad that it, it felt like it was coming to an end, and I'd have to create um another another wave. How, how do you go
0: about writing a song? And that's probably like quite a big question. Do you just sit down in like one kind of sitting and just write one out? Is it kind of thoughts collected over like a long period of time?
1: You know what? It, I'm not someone that's like, I have to write a song in this particular way. I always prefer writing a song to a piano. Like then if someone sent me a beat, I'd be honest, I struggle to write to a beat. Like I just, I feel like I need to be involved in the process of the music making as well do you know what i mean and and, and it all, all often starts with chords for me and if i can play it on the piano and i can feel it and you can't i started to read this book called um the war of art and it's a great book and it's it's sort of like and it really changed the way i thought about it it was like it's almost like you're a vessel and this this music is you're just a channel for this music song to come out of you. Do you know what I mean? And some days it will come and sometimes it won't. Yeah. And, and I, that that's really helped me in a way. You just, sometimes you're just mad inspired. You can have a great, like the other day I had a really good meeting with someone. Or it felt like a good meeting and it, felt, it, was, it was an inspiring meeting. And after that, I went and wrote this song that was really, really special because I was so buzzing from that meeting. And I feel like, you know, I, I, I will sit down and the chords often come first. And then it's whatever comes out. And the moment I start thinking too much is often when it halts the process. <laughs> the best thing.
0: Just overthinking things.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I struggle with that. I, I think now I'm trying to feel more and think less. And I feel like that's, that's the best, the best songs are made in that way. So yeah, I'll often do that. And, and often just me and the piano, sometimes with, with other people as well, often with other people. And then sometimes I'll write a song on a piano and I'll send it and I'll get my producer friend over and I'll just be like, look, let's make a let's make a track out of it sometimes it'll just stay on the piano but yeah it's sort of you just find inspiration in anything and and the more i've lived the more you got to talk about it. i look back at when i was signed the first time i said i was a terrible songwriter i had nothing to write about i was a kid i hadn't lived then all of a sudden you know i start to spend some time in america i start to spend some time meeting new people i start to spend a bit of time away from home i start to and i've got experiences to write about i've got people to write about i've got times where I felt embarrassed, times where I felt like really good, times where I felt not so good <laughs> and shit to write about, you know? And and that that is, is massive, having something to fucking say,
0: you know? If somebody asks you like what genre you belong in, what would you say? Because your voice is like an old soul voice, but like the two songs that we've heard, I know one was a rework, but you, w- I wouldn't necessarily like think they are like the kind of, soul songs that I'm, I'm kind of thinking of?
1: Mm-hmm. I guess, firstly, I'll never want to put myself in a box and say, I am just this. Yeah. My music's heavily inspired by soul, heavily inspired by R&B, but I want to write pop songs that people can sing along to as well. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't care about being the coolest kid there is. Some songs that I've got would feel cool, it, you know, are cooler. for like, And I don't really like that word, but more R&B leaning, for example, like my latest single. But I also write big Ballads, a big pop ballads. So I can't help but be inspired by the music I've listened to. I can't help that it's inspired by gospel, that it's inspired by soul, it's inspired by R&B. But my favourite ever artist is Stevie Wonder. And he was all of those things, but he also had hundreds and hundreds of thousands, millions of people singing him songs back to him. For me, that's pop music as well. And if that makes me pop, I'm pop. I'm cool. I'm happy with that. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's cool.
0: You so said your favorite artist, you Wonder. Who is like some artist that I guess has inspired you, or like who do you model kind of your music most from? I think
1: John Legend is is definitely that first album, the Get Lifted album, was was the most inspirational album in in my or most influential album in my uh, my career. It just hit me at a time where I was ready for it, and I was like, "That's how I want to sound," you know, just. R and B, hip hop, soul, great songs. Yeah. You know, great vocal performances. So yeah, uh, so John Legend, absolutely. I mean, but even before that, James Morrison was James someone Morrison, that I used yeah. to listen to a lot. Yeah, I used to
0: because he he's got the bit of like John Legend. I feel like's very smooth. Like James Morrison's yeah, got a bit yeah. of like I don't know what to call it like raspiness. That you also kind of I feel like you have a bit.
1: Yeah. No, I mean James. I mean James Watson has classic songs yeah. as well. You know, it, you know, and very different to John Legend in a way a lot, a lot less R and B, a lot less. I don't know. It, it's probably a lot less soul, but it's it's got a hell of a lot of soul in it. Yeah. But it, great classic songs, you know. But now I'm inspired by loads of stuff. It can be R and B. It can be big pop. Like I love Dermot Kennedy. I love Coldplay. I love Coldplay. But then I also love D- uh, Donny Hathaway. I love, and um, I listen to Kanye West albums and and, and Alicia Keys and. You know, it's very broad, but I'd say, you know, like cross between Coldplay, Justin Timberlake, John Legend, and Stevie, you yeah. know? <laughs>
0: like <laughs> quite a combo.
1: Yeah, but I love I love all that stuff. I love I love the euphoric nature of a of a Coldplay song that everyone can sing. I love that. But then I love the soul in in a in a, in a Stevie tune or Donny Hathaway or Earth When a Fire, the funk of an Earth When a Fire song, you know. And and that's People want to put you in a box. People want to go, are you the guy that's going to make us cry? Or are you the guy that's going to make us dance? Or are you the guy that's going to pop ballads? Or are you the guy that's going to do R&B? It's like, how do I find a way where I can do all of those stuff and still people get me, do you know? And I think my voice is the is the lane that that, that can tie it all together. And then you just you just work on, on, on making it palatable for for enough people to connect to, I guess. You know, you look at someone like, John legend with all of me which is just a huge pop ballad and then he's got that alongside absolute you know like just hip hop tunes yeah. so you know it, it's doable
0: yeah mine and hamish's music tastes are quite uh, quite different um a lot of the people use i don't know if you can see, actually i can show you got a record player down there like a bunch of uh, yeah sick records that you just mentioned hamish is more in the grime scene
2: love it who's your favorite artist at the moment hamish what we listening to Oof, that's, that's tough. Probably something like either Hedy 1 or K-Trap right now. Those are probably amongst the top two. Hedy 1's slashing so, Didn't
1: Hedy 1 go number one?
2: Yeah. So, yeah. I'd say like Hedy 1, Lowski and um, AJ Tracy because he obviously has dropped a new thing I'm glad recently. glad
0: you didn't say a touch of Haley. Hasn't he been in a bit of, bit of uh, trouble um, yeah, recently? Yeah,
2: allegedly. But to to be fair, the I think the one... I don't know. I don't want to speak on this yet. The one allegedly 14-year-old thing was apparently like a modeling joke or something between family and they, when the family made a statement, but I'm not going to speak on that. Like, basically, I don't know about that. Many <laughs> right <laughs> now. Looking yeah. A bit dodgy. It's looking a bit dodgy. Oh, M Honcho is always a good person to listen to. Um, who's your favorite artist at the moment, Luke?
1: big question. Who am I listening to? Say if you were making <laughs> a track
0: tomorrow, who would you most want to like feature on it?
1: I, I've just discovered this artist. Okay. So Amber Mark, I love. This uh, US artist, she's amazing. It's sort of R&B, pop, soul. It's just sick. I love... There's tons of... Who who do I have to think of? Oh, yeah. I was introduced to this other girl called Madison Ryan Wald, who is ridiculous. There's too many. There's honestly too many. If I was making a track...
0: So they're they're quite like, I guess, unknown, like mainstream unknown artists. So what if you're opening for an artist? Oh, who would I want? Oh, okay, that's a good question. It doesn't have to be one. You can give us a, give us a few.
1: Who would I want to open for? That's quite an interesting question. I could see myself opening for someone like Sam Smith, or yeah.
0: like. So, do you have to like open for when you someone ask that question? Like, do you think it has to be kind of someone similar, or similar? Pro- uh, probably, because like, you're saying like, I think I could
2: open for.
1: Yeah, I think I like or someone like. Emily Sandé or like that sort of era. I mean, I love Dermot Kennedy. I don't know if you've heard of yeah, his yeah. music. He's sick. Or, but then I love like the last, the best live gig I've seen recently was PJ Morton. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's uh Yeah, he did a American, cover of um, the Bee Gees. How Deep Is Your Love.
0: Yeah, yeah. Really nice. Sick. Shout out Shree who showed me that.
1: Oh, it's the best video ever. You should watch Yeba on Sofa Sounds, her live version of a song called... I don't know what it's called but it is unbelievable the best vocal performance you've ever heard have you done
0: a sofa sounds
1: done a ton of sofa sounds never filmed one but I've done loads in LA and I've done a couple in London as well
0: yeah really cool
1: they're they're cool they're they're,
0: cool I'm looking to get a a filmed one actually with those guys yeah that would be pretty big yeah moving on to your next song so this is a song you actually released yesterday at the time of recording yes but when people listen to this it'll be like around a month ago So this is 4am featuring Olivia Nelson. 4am featuring olivia nelson how's it like making that is that well that's a feature so we haven't played a feature of yours yet or someone else featuring on one of your tracks yeah how do you like that dynamic having a song where it's just not i love
1: it i love it i love to i love to collaborate with people i mean also like i know it feels it feels natural
0: doing it with girls more
1: collaborations like unless they're like a rapper just because like the blend of of vocals can be so nice and olivia olivia's vocals just sick like, so good. good. I said, yeah, no, it was really good. I like, I just, again, we made that in here. Um, actually, my friend who lives on a corner, Jordan, Jordan Elgi, he came around, I had the chords, he started making a beat. We wrote the tune. It was all quite quick. And, um, yeah, it was really, really nice to get out, actually. Like, yesterday, I wasn't expecting. Uh, we got quite a lot of playlist support on Spotify as well, which nice. was great. So, yeah, no, that's, that's good, that one. And, uh, yeah, I hope people keep supporting that.
0: Yeah. How do you come across an artist that you want to feature with? Or how does that collaboration like actually happen?
1: It all depends. This one was different. Actually, the people that published my my songs, they linked me up with Olivia's team, with Olivia's manager. And I just asked them. No, no in fact, they there's a list of people that they work with. And they were like, oh, if you ever want to work with anyone that we we do stuff with, just always ask us and we can try and set up an intro. And I scrolled through, scrolled through and I come across Olivia Nelson who I'd heard of before. And I was like, I'd love if you could set up like just a little intro, uh, an email with Olivia. So that's what they did. And um, yeah, that was most of the time I wrote Instagram. The the amount of people I hit up on Instagram all the time. We should work. We'd love to work. Let me know where you can work. Some of them don't reply to me. That's cool. And some of them do. (laughs) And um, like most of the time, that's that's how I do all my collaborations, whether that be a video or a,
0: uh, a song, whatever, you know. Yeah. And this is, is this like a part of an album or like an EP or anything?
1: Yeah, it's going to be part of a project, working out whether it's going to be four or five songs on this project now. And also working out the title of the project as well. But I've got I've got the following, I've got the next three songs on it ready. And now I'm just, yeah, just, just. but I'm going to release a song every six to eight weeks of this project for the next three, four months. So uh, yeah, it's quite exciting.
0: Yeah. Well, one of those songs, um, it's our next one, Let You Down, I believe. That's the one. When's this one coming out? This will be out in January or February. Okay, so this is potentially not even out yet. So a bit of a third duel exclusive. Exclusive. You know?
1: exclusive. I'm so-
0: So I've let you down. What's uh, what's that
1: one about? This one, well, this one's about I was uh, spending a lot of time with this girl who started to feel something that I didn't feel, basically. And it was me being honest in a song that I probably struggled to be as honest in talking. So, uh, yeah, that's 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 what that's
0: about. Yeah, like from where it sounds like you're working constantly trying to like, yeah, produce like the best quality content that you have. Has that, like, yeah, impacted, yeah, yeah. like, relationships? That's a good question.
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I, don't, I don't allow myself any time for any of that, in all honesty. And my family understand that. I have never allowed myself to feel a certain way about girls, really, because I'm so dedicated to this. And it's like, and, and maybe it's wrong, and maybe it's not good for me or not good for someone else, I don't know, but... I feel like I've got so much to do and so much to achieve in this. And I don't have the emotional capacity to give to anyone else right now. Like this is all of me and I don't, I'm not ready to, to, to give away any part of it. And and again, maybe that's wrong. Maybe, maybe I'd write a better song if I did allow myself Mm. that. (laughs) I don't know, but I just, yeah, I really struggle. I, I really would struggle with that. And, um, you know, my best mates, if I don't talk to them for two, three weeks, or if I'm not out for two, three weeks, they're cool. I'll go back the fourth week and it's like nothing's changed. But being with a girl, that's that's different. And um, yeah, so that's, um, it certainly has had an effect on the way that I've yeah decided to, who I've decided to commit my time to.
0: And I've not, I'm very selfish. Yeah. It's just like a nature of like the industry you're in, I guess. Like it's from one, like yeah. well, you mentioned, like going on tour with Rudimental. You can change like day to day. Absolutely yeah. And a
1: lot of people Wouldn't understand that And that's fair enough Like If I'm in the studio And I'm writing an amazing song And I've said I'm going to see you tonight And someone just Walked in the studio And we're, we're making Another amazing song I can't come mm. Do you know what I mean And it's like Maybe that's wrong of me Maybe that's selfish of me But Right now that's me And That's the way it is
2: yeah. Well your career at least related like you see it's like common for like people who want to make it like I guess in the mainstream eye or so on or the chart side they usually head to LA. And we spoke about just a brief bit about offline but like what are your thoughts on that what would you want to do if if you did would you do it how long would you do it for?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I um I, I was looking to get a visa ju- just before the pandemic started so uh unfortunately that that uh that's been put on hold but for me I've spent probably you know a good good few months out there and over the last year or so, and uh, I just, I feel like I'm a different person. I think also me being English out there, you, you automatically just get people looking after you a bit more. Favors. I've got my connections out there, I think are as big as they are over here or I've got as many as I have over over there. And it's like, I've lived over here for so long. Why is that? I think that there's an element of they look after you. They like the fact that you're English. Oh, it's more interesting that you're only in town for a month or two at a time and people want to work with you. But also, I'm just a different person away from home. I'm so safe at home. It's like if someone asks me to an event, I'm like, oh, well, mum's made a really nice roast dinner. <sighs> Maybe I'll just go home. My best mates are down the local pub. That's easy. That's safe. I'll go and meet them. In LA, I know no one. So I will just like, yeah, I'll come. Oh, what, there's like some random house party? Yeah, I'll come. Oh, what, there's some random event where I'll know no one? Oh, yeah, I'll come. So I throw myself into all these random situations and weird situations and turn up on my own, which I'd never do over here. And then I end up just like in meeting some amazing people, being incredibly inspired and having loads of opportunities. And I think being away from home really does benefit me as, a, as an artist. Um so I'd love to I mean you know in the post pandemic world I'd love to spend half the year out in LA and half the year at home and that that's the way I'd like to go about it really um I just feel like out there I I feel like I've connected a lot more out there with certain people um feel like they get it I feel like they respect talent a bit more I feel like they're a lot less clicky as produ- as like as a music scene it's, it's a lot less clicky and I feel like they yeah I don't know I just feel like out there that it's I've I've connected and, and I can connect so uh yeah I mean six months either place makes perfect sense to me
0: to be honest with yeah. you Well you spoke about home comforts and like with COVID and all we have been stuck at home for quite a while now how's that impacted kind of like your career so far in this pandemic like I feel like it's you can't perform at gigs and stuff which I guess sucks but maybe it's allowed you to, like, focus more on, like, music, creating music, potentially?
1: Look, it, it's had its it's had his pros and cons. I've, I've actually, my social media following's tripled since the start of the pandemic. Oh, wow. And, so is the size of the venue that I was meant to perform at. So, that's probably the most productive time of my career. You know, I was, I started, the first lockdown, started doing these weekly dressing gown gigs, started off with a few people in there, like, 50, 60. We did, like, Every week was getting more and more people. In the end, we were like up to thousands of people. And then like we earned like over five grand for charity. Plus I did a few videos that went viral and I went from a venue that I had to obviously, I was meant to be doing a mirror in April that obviously had to get canceled. That was like 300 capacity or whatever. That was upgraded to Lafayette in November, sold out straight away because of all these new followers and new fans. And then that was rescheduled, and now we're doing Scala, which is in Kings Cross, which I would never have dreamed of doing Scala uh, this year. Like it it just seemed way out of achievement, really, for me. And to be able to do a venue like that, and that's all been, and that's a lot of that has been, been down to the pandemic. So, in you know, I've missed a hell of a lot, but the power of social media has enabled me to connect to that many more fans. And also, it's like it's all right if a video goes viral. Well, who cares if you have. 3 million views in a song or, or a video and no one of them is willing to buy a ticket to your show. You know, that doesn't make much difference, but I've been able to, to, to shift those tickets as well, that they're actually willing to spend that, pay their money to spend their evening with me. So that's, you know, something I'm incredibly proud of.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Would tickets still be on sale for that in early Jan? Yeah, well, well yes, well, I've not many left, so we shall see. Okay. But I hope, yeah, there's, there's
1: probably a few left. Scala and Kings Cross is a beautiful venue. Again, there's not many tickets left at all. I mean, as we're doing this, I think it's like 85% sold out. So,
0: okay. Well, if you're listening and there's a link in the bio for tickets to, to the gig, Great. go check that out and uh, be quick. And all the songs and Luke's Spotify and everything will be in the description too. So, go check that out. One project, and it's also kind of like half how we connected, Luke. That you have started recently is Bangs and Mash, like your new podcast slash music show. How's that going?
1: Really well, actually. Yeah, it was just it was just an idea that I had. I wanted to do a podcast for a while, but I didn't want to do like a podcast like this necessarily. I I, I wanted to make it like a a radio show. I actually did a radio show for 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 a radio, and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed curating the music, talking about the music, and all that sort of stuff, and um. I saw Spotify announce this new sort of uh, this new thing, which made that quite easy to create. And uh, yeah, we had some really cool guests. So got Johnny Nelson, who's a former cruiserweight world champion. Jasmine Thompson, who's had like billions of streams. A few reality stars in there, like it's a really diverse group of uh, like some big DJs. Really diverse group of uh, guests, and it's something that I really love, and, and that people seem to be connecting to. And um, yeah, it's just uh, I mean. It's, I've asked people that I thought were way out of my reach and they've said, yeah, I'm up for it. And everyone, what I'm really enjoying is the guest seems to really enjoy the process, like, of picking their favourite songs. And, yeah, it's been really cool. It's been really good for me, actually. And, um, yeah, people seem to be, be enjoying it as well.
0: Yeah, enjoying I listen this. to it. It's kind of like a, have you heard of Desert Island Discs? It's kind yeah. of like the similar kind of vibe where you're like, uh-huh. playing like yeah, like, yeah. although you're playing a full song and then speaking about like why they chose those kind of songs.
1: Yeah, I guess it is. But I mean, and every guest is yeah. different, which is cool, you know. So like Johnny Nelson, we talk about not just the music, it's, you know, like, I mean, he was giving me goosebumps when he was telling me about, you know, inspirational stuff and how he picked himself up after losing his first few fights and becoming world champion, you know. And then we've got something as, you know, much less sort of deep, but it was just, it's still important. It's like, what's the biggest song that's gone off when you're a DJ that you've played? And then you know they talk about that feeling of of a crowd dancing. So uh yeah, they're all really different. And it, it, yeah, I've I've loved it. I've loved it. To be honest
0: yeah, I was saying to uh said to someone earlier in the year like how I feel like two of the best feelings I think you can feel is like either like scoring a goal, a winning goal at a, like the World Cup final, yeah. Or there's a you can go on YouTube it. There's Queen. When he was singing, I want to say in Buenos Aires, but it probably was Denmark or something. Now that I said it, um, he was singing love my life, Freddie Mercury, and then he stopped singing and like the whole crowd starts singing it
2: back. Yeah. I love that feeling at concerts as well. Like that yeah, when the crowd starts
0: singing your song, I feel like that must just be one of like the best feelings. Like you can like imagine. All right. Yeah. Levels as well. Are you, you going to ask what would you prefer? No, but that's a good question. What would you prefer?
1: <laughs> that's, a re- that's a really good question. Would I prefer to score in a World Cup final? Or, yeah, or winning goal in a World performing? Cup final. Winning goal in a World Cup final or Wembley, have everyone singing my song back to me? Fucking hell.
2: I'll tell you, at Wembley, the energy is electric.
0: Yeah, especially when you're scoring that winning goal in a World Cup final. <laughs>
2: Is <laughs> the world is the World Cup finals at like Wembley, you, like you. right next to each other? One's in the SSC Arena, one's in the we- Wembley Stadium. Oh man, I don't. That's a really difficult one. Like honestly, I love my football. I mean, if
1: you ask me, what do you prefer to be a Premiership footballer or for West Ham or 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 a worldwide artist? That's a difficult question. I'd only have to say artist because I'm better at it. But if I was a better footballer, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's one of those ones. It's um, it's tough. I mean, music. I have to say I've got to say I've got to say the the music one just because of of being an artist but bro I I love scoring a Sunday (laughs) league game
2: like so World Cup final would feel like ridiculous no I love it also like in concerts like there's been a few times where the crowd starts singing a song because they want it so like they start like singing and rapping the song out yeah and then the artist comes on and then he actually follows up and plays it amazing (laughs) And I, I love, love it when that. like The artist is like Absolutely loving the energy From the yeah. crowd, So they just like Gassed out their mind On the stage running around So I remember when Dave When I saw Dave live Yeah like Dave was just like In all sorts of like He was like so aghast and everything Really? Going down during the entire time Yeah Where was this? Um, Brixton oh, Brixton's sick. one of those venues That it's, it's a shit venue But it's an amazing venue yeah, yeah, For yeah. like Atmosphere Yep,
0: yeah, absolutely Before we start to run off Just one question Have you ever like had like a geek where you've just fucked it like you messed up forgot the words yeah, tons, or tons. like or even like have you had like internet hate uh, I've very rarely had hate I've had the odd I mean,
1: hate's good by the way like the videos that have gone viral like that video that went viral with Blinded by Your Grace a couple of people like comment on how you look or whatever it's like that's brilliant if something don't connects with enough people that you start getting hate, that's what you, that's like, I love that. And it's like, I'll send it to my mates as a joke and they're all getting up. They're like, oh, what a prick. Look at his, look at his profile picture, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, lads, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I honestly don't, I, I do not care about that. The majority of stuff is really nice. And if people want to knock something down, it's because it's worth knocking down or it's, it's big enough that, that that someone cares enough about it. So yeah, I'm not had much hate, but if if there is, there has been stuff good on it do you know what i mean i'm like i'm all for it if you're that it's like it, it makes i've i'd rather you have an opinion than not and if it's if he's negative it's like well you're a
2: fool do you know what i mean <laughs> it's free publicity and exactly like, they, they they kind of like think they're big and bad just behind the screen right like, Bruh, uh, not like they came to to your face to tell you that they're just like uh, oh let me type this on a youtube comment because t- it's gonna stupid. affect them in some way <laughs> Yeah. honestly yeah
1: it's pathetic but it's like it, if something's connected with enough people that that is warrants getting hate
0: great yeah i think yeah. i think there's a quote from ronaldo probably fake but it's like my <laughs> biggest fans are my haters or something or his haters are who made him become who he is today kind of thing
1: yeah especially like as an if you're the sort of person that's going to criticize an independent artist for doing what they love yeah <laughs> like you'll be some guy
2: yeah it takes a lot of energy to just go around hating people as it well. It takes
1: like. more energy. I was going to say, it takes more energy to spread hate than love all day <laughs> oh, yeah. long. Like to actually type in, to type a bad comment is so much, it takes so much more energy than it does to take to send a nice comment. To send, I love you. That's so easy. To actually like calculate, right, in a negative comment, the energy that you've spent on me or someone, I'm grateful for that energy. Keep giving
2: me that. <laughs> There's so much more productive things you can oh. do as well. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, they just chosen it to sit down and write a comment.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: oh, 100%. 100%. Awesome. So, how we round up each episode, Luke, is like we ask some like final questions and then we have like a call out and a shout out to end it off. So, cool. final questions for you. First one is one piece of advice you'd give to younger you.
1: Enjoy it. <laughs> Enjoy it. And, 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 I, and I'm actually. Rather than younger me now, I'm actually gonna give the advice that I know that I need right now. So if I'm in twenty years' time, what well, I'm gonna tell to myself right now, enjoy it and just don't don't constantly look forward. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause I don't forget to enjoy the moment. And I know it sounds cliche, but I'm forever thinking what's next. I'm forever aiming to achieve the next thing that like, I forget actually. I did this because I love this. This isn't just to achieve something. This is because I enjoy it. And I forget to enjoy it at times, I'll be honest with you, because I care so fucking much. So care less, maybe.
2: Care slightly less would would be nice as well. Yeah, the second question is, you're on death row. What's your chosen meal? Can be a three course or five course meal.
1: Mum's roast dinner. Easy (laughs) this. Probably lamb. Mum's roast dinner. um, And like, I have a jam roly-poly. Or a syrup sponge with custard for nice, dessert. Nice. Easy.
0: Classic. Third question. So this is a question we actually ask every guest, same one. And that's, what's been your most memorable <laughs> third wheeling experience? Uh,
1: third wheeling? I mean, I do it all the time, my brother and his girlfriend. Like whenever whenever they go out, I'll just invite myself. Or if they're watching a film downstairs, having a little romantic moment, I'll just sit next to them and start watching the film and go, oh, this is great, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> uh, in fact, I think the other week my mum and dad were going to the spa, and I invited myself as well. Yeah, I'm I'm a constant third wheeler, and I've got I love a spa day, especially if I'm not paying <laughs> for it. So, I've got no uh, I've got no qualms with being a third wheel.
2: I'm all for it. Also, awesome. awesome. well, the next section is like call out slash nomination, where you can basically nominate one or many people to hopefully be a guest on the future in the third wheel. Or wait, in the future on the third wheel.
1: <laughs> oh, you know what? This is hard. I'm trying to think who. Uh, who I think you guys should get, Um, I think would be good for it. You could get my guy, Jordan Elgi, actually. He lives on the corner, the producer that has made my latest tracks. And I work with him a hell, of, a hell of a lot. And he's, yeah, really, really good guy. Great producer, knows so much about music, and just an all-round good person.
0: So, yeah, Jordan Elgi, I'm going to go for. Awesome. We'll, we'll get in touch with him. And great. lastly, is shout-out. So anything you want to plug, promote, whatever, floor's yours. So, Luke, anything?
1: Yeah, just please get the latest single, get the latest project, get tickets to Scala because they're going best. Subscribe to Bangers and Mash show weekly. Keep following the journey. That's all I'd say. Keep following the journey. Yep, Hamish?
2: Yep, mine's going to be Secure the Bag 2 by AJ Tracy and yeah, all of Luke's um, sh- um, podcast and Spotify URLs as well. So go check <laughs> those out.
0: Cool. I'm going to plug a few of few previous episodes of ours that we've had like other musicians songwriters artists on so and you can hear some of their music as well uh so number episode 14 with lily in 43 with kian 54 with josh banks and 63 with Vinaya. so go check them out we'd like to hear some like new music or very talented people but yeah thanks thanks so much luke for coming on thanks for having me it's been
1: an absolute a
2: pleasure yeah nice meeting you as well.
0: Likewise. Yeah, always, as you said, like all links to all of Luke's stuff will be in the description. Go check him out. And yeah, we'll keep an eye out. And uh, hopefully we'll see you blowing up soon. And then that can like, get us some more views as well. <laughs> so win, win, win. That's
1: the dream. We'll win till round. That's the dream, chaps. That's yep. the dream. We all grow together. Awesome. And yeah,
0: hope everyone had a, has had a good new year. And hopefully 2021 is a lot better than 2020. That's it. That's the dream.
2: Right, have a good one Yep see you see next yeah. week See you bye. later guys
1: bye. bye bye I'm too weak to give you the answers That you don't want to hear from me So
0: I, I just keep a smile